Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Hello, you lovely lot. You are in for an absolute treat, and I have been looking forward to this for a long time. Today, we are speaking um, about strong-willed children and um, how the dynamics change in families as our little angels start growing up. But I'm speaking with Malva Gabowski today, who is an international business trainer. I tell you what, she's got a lot on her plate, but listen to this. She's an international business trainer. She's an executive coach and speaker for corporate soft HR skills and helps people achieve success in top international corporations. Malva has created the Online Training Academy, which is an innovative form of training for future online trainers. Besides her corporate focus, she's also a parenting coach and a couples counsellor who works with couples and parents to help them implement the positive parenting approach and build closeness within family. At the time of recording, I just want to let you know that Malva has two summits running at present. So, um, and with three kids, I tell you what, she's spinning plates and juggling balls at the same time. But she is an international best-selling author and has a frequent as a frequent podcast guest and contributor to summits, panels, and online training sessions. Malva, you've got a lot on your plate. So more to the Hi. point, thank you so much for sparing some time to speak to us. Really oh my goodness. It. Thank you so much for the beautiful introduction. Uh, I, I have a feeling that when someone else says something about me, I seem crazy or, or like a million and two people in one. And it's actually not that hard as it seems, but I'll get to that in, in a moment. Oh I am gosh, so you, glad. Are you going to share us the, 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 the tips and the tools, how to juggle all that? Anything you want Good from girl. me, I'm here to give. I don't hold back on my knowledge, but first and foremost, hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. And thank you very much for having me. I do really appreciate it. Well, it's it's wonderful to speak with you. But um, this, is a, this is a topic which is really close to my heart, actually, because I support parents and their teenagers. And um, I think many parents sort of get to the point where their kids are just turning in, you know, into the teenage years. And they think, for flip's sake, I've been parenting for a nigh on a desk decade. Surely I should know what's going on. Surely I should have conquered it by now. And yet it's not the case, is it, Melba? No, it's far from. And the reason why, it's not because that you're doing a bad job. Absolutely not. But imagine every single month, someone telling you to use completely new skills and the old skills that you were doing doing in your job no longer are required and you need something else. And 
that would be comparable to parenting. Because if you really look at the science of the brain development, the brain develops almost in a spiral like every six months. So every six months, your child requires different things from you. And then on top of that, in the teenage years, I compare it to the week prior to the menstrual cycle, beginning for a woman where she is on such a hormone cocktail that you either give her chocolate or go away. So basically speaking, with teenagers, they've got that on their plate constantly, not only for a few days. So it is a lot of change for the parents to to grasp, to understand. And, you know, being a working mom or a working dad, most likely you have trained in your field for many years and the competencies are gradually growing. Being a parent, it's like saying, well, one day it's one thing, one day it's another thing. And then, bah, if I have more than one child, what I figured out with one child completely doesn't work with another. So if you feel that parenting is easy, show me, please, because (laughs) and I have helped thousands of women because mostly women turn to me and hundreds of men on their parenting journey. And it's not me boasting, but me telling you, you're not alone when you feel that you need support, like, um, like with this podcast or in any other shape and form. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is is I, I'm not sure why, and maybe you can enlighten us, but when it comes to parenting, people are really reluctant to look for support. I think, is it because it's that sort of feeling of failure? Is it because we're meant to feel these innate bonds of sort of motherhood and fatherhood, and so therefore we should get it right first time? What is it? Why Why are people, because, you know, if you, if you need sort of support in business, if you need support in sport, whatever it is, we reach to coaches. Why, why don't parents do it as far as their parenting and sort of family life is concerned? So there are two things that I have noticed. I've been more on the market for more than 20 years. So yeah. I have a little bit of uh, experience under my belt. And whenever we think of, I have a dream to chase and my dream is to earn millions or lie down on the beach and don't have any responsibilities. So let's say the business area, or I want to be high achieving. You can fill in the, the dots, whoever you want to be. I am able to sacrifice a lot, family time, sometimes even health. Some people say I kind of drowned myself into work and I'm not able, I'm overweight or I have a heart attack or whatever Mm -hmm. that is. They also are able to uh, invest a lot of money in chasing their dreams. Now, that is where a lot of the investment goes into business. And there are some people who say, um, hmm. I don't really want to invest financially in parenting because it should come naturally. Everybody does it. Uh, My mom did it. She's had six kids, maybe. Or grandma did it. She had five kids. Or my friends are doing it and it looks so easy. Or the, I'm I'm sorry, quote unquote, Insta mothers with, you know, hourglass figures and any bitty bikinis with a baby on their hip. They're making millions. They're making it work. Why is it not working for me? So quite often, very well, quite often people don't understand that, you know, please do not compare your reality to someone's retouch photo. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with there. Second thing is a postpartum depression, or even, I don't know if you noticed this, but there are so many parents who feel anxiety with, 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 um, toddler tantrums or so many parents that are like, I give up. I'm depressed with, with parenting my teenager. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be alone. There are so many wonderful experts out there to help you. 
And the fact that I gave birth to one child absolutely does not make me an expert. Far, far from if you haven't studied the years in college or even yeah. if it's not the, the formal degree that you need, but the amount of books and social sciences and psychology and even sciences of development and how chemistry works, if you don't have that under your belt, you are not able to bring in the solutions for your family that your family might need. And like I mentioned a few minutes ago, depending on your child, you might need different things. So there is this movement now of positive parenting, responsive parenting, um, attachment parenting, closeness parenting, a million and There's there's so many labels, aren't there? (laughs) So many labels. Those are amazing. I, I advise you to follow all of them should you wish to. But most importantly, what kind of parent does your child need you to be? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I... Just, I mean, you're quite right. And I think that's the thing is that, um, as I say to many of my parents, you know, you you are um, the best person, best place to support your child. So if someone is giving you advice and it doesn't feel right, just because it's coming from an expert doesn't mean that it's going to fit your family, doesn't mean it's going to fit one child as opposed to another. And I think we have got to the stage where we, um, as parents, have started to ignore what our heart's telling us and we're, we're, we're not trusting our gut any longer because we think sort of you know well I've got it wrong and I'm feeling so bad so therefore I've got to cling to someone else or another podcast or a YouTube video whatever to give me the answers I'm looking for but invariably it does come right back to the heart doesn't it oh definitely I couldn't agree more like you're blonde and so am I but my blonde is completely different than yours mine's it's artificial just- for goodness sake <laughs> Well, the the son did this to me. (laughs) What what I'm trying to say, if you go to the hairdresser and say, I want blonde, they will give you a whole variety of shades and colors. And to be honest, those artificial um, samples of the colors are not necessarily what it's going to turn out on your hair. Correct. Now, if you open a magazine and you read how to lose one pound or one kilo in the next week, each magazine is going to give you a different dietary requirement for you to follow. That doesn't mean it's good for you. So you are, as a mom or a dad or a caregiver, you are an amazing individuality. And now so are your children. And the mesh of the differentiation and the connection and the dynamic that you all have in your family is never going to be comparable to anyone else. So if you feel there's only a quick fix, because I'll just read one article in a magazine, that's just like comparing a diet taken from a magazine from 1970s, where they said, drink one glass of wine and eat one boiled egg for your three meals and you will lose you will lose um, weight. Nowadays, scientists are going, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Please don't. And so this is exactly what we're trying to tell you is that don't feel bad that you need to go to a dietitian if you want to work on your health. Don't feel bad if you need to go to a parenting coach or turn to someone when you're looking for help. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Just like you go and ask for a hairdresser to help you with your hair, it should be normalized go to a family coach to get help yep. if you need answers. And, and I think you're quite right. You sort of, sort of, were sort of saying, you know, going back to the 70s, I mean, I do remember all those blimmin' diets, you know, believe me, I was on them. And and 
as far as that, that that example is concerned, things have changed. But it, this is the same with parenting. And as you sort of said earlier, is that, um, you know, we, we our goalposts are changing sort of, you know, everything with, with our child's changing brains. But more to the point, we're learning so much more about the mind and about the brain because, you know, sort of 10 years ago, we, we, we didn't know half of what was going on. We didn't understand, you know, how the brain changes, how the mind is affected by sort of, you know, external stimuli, be it diet or be it the way we're parented. So the 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 I guess the remit has changed. So still we can't rely on how we were parented as kids because it was very different then, not only because of our understanding, but also because it's a different environment now, isn't it? So we've got very little experience to fall back on. We do have very little experience to fall back on. Furthermore, the dangers of society that are commonly available now for even young children, as young as eight, nine, yeah. 10, they were non-existent in our parents or let alone grandparents' years. So if you look at what your grandma used to do as a mom of six, yeah. what she did in a day, you're doing in 30 minutes. Yeah. And what she had her children exposed to throughout their whole childhood you can have them exposed to that and more dangers within 24 hour period so again i'm talking about the digital age i'm talking about a constant media access i'm talking about your kids going to their friend's house and the openness of communication everywhere so there is a lot for us to do interesting fact i don't know if you've read the book sapiens in the, that book, it I might might I might get my numbers wrong, but more or less the proportion is the same. A caveman, the amount of decisions that he had to make within a week to survive and make his family thrive in the environment that he was in, is comparable to the decisions that now a thirty-year-old makes within an hour of oh waking. Oh my stars! That is so ridiculous. That, that is ridiculous. So that is um the amount of brain capacity that we need to use right now to assess all of the impulses. And on top of that, our children are having the same thing without their prefrontal cortex developed to make rational decisions. So we can't blame neither the parents nor the children that, oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed. Of course you are. And this is the problem, isn't it, is the fact that we have seen technology advance so quickly. We have seen so many changes, be it in um, the, the drugs our kids are open to or the food that our kids are open to or whatever. And yet the, the human brain has not developed since cavemen times. So it was it's sort of nearly, dare I say, it, not fit for purpose, which is very unfair because, you know, but and so therefore we need the tools and I'm hoping you can help us here. We need the tools to help us cope with, you know, everything that's been bombarded at us within split seconds. Because in, in comparison to the cavemen, they they had it easy. I mean, okay, there were saber toothed tigers and stuff, but hey, but you know, we we as far as our brain is, it, it's playing catch up, isn't it? Oh, it, it's horrible! It's horrible because a lot of the times we feel that we're not good enough. Yeah, and you know. Going back to uh, caveman times for just a second, the only people that they ever had to compare themselves with were the quote unquote crudes next door, hoping that they're so survive. 
nowadays with the access to a lot of social media and thank goodness for it because you and I wouldn't have met if because you don't live next door so I'm not saying it's all bad there are amazing things but what I'm saying is the fear of missing out and the fear of comparison is so deep that we actually feel that we're not good enough no matter how good we are so what I'm trying to tell you mom and dad if you're listening to this no matter how old your child is or how old you are because you can say oh my goodness she's 40 but she's not my generation that doesn't matter you know what I'm trying to say is no matter where you are I just want you to feel comfortable in knowing that if you feel good and your child feels good in the relationship that you are building together you're on your way you don't have to listen to anyone now However, if you feel that something is off, if your child feels something is off and you need to listen to them, if your partner, should you have one, feels that something is off, that is the time not to hide your head in the sand, but that is the time to think, okay, what can we do? Because if you look, I talk a lot, so please stop me. No, I'm loving, you're in your flow. (laughs) Keep going, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at... Uh, culturalization, which is a study done done on many animals, um, mammals and not, about what is the quote-unquote gestational period before the child being under the care of the parent and then flies out of the nest. So parents have it uh, 24 times longer than any other mammal in the world. So, however, however, that 24 times longer than any other mammal in the world also means your child's childhood is the shortest contact you'll ever have with them compared to the lifespan that we're having of around 73, 75, maybe if you're lucky, 100 years old. Yeah. So what I'm trying to tell you, mom and dad, is yes, it takes a lot now, but what you put into this relationship now is something that you're going to have a return on investment throughout your whole uh, life and the life of that child. And then Hopefully, should your child wish to go that way, your grandchildren as well. So it is possible to make it work throughout your whole life. You're so right. And um, you're speaking to an empty nester here, um, Melva, and my kids are 26 and 28. And I I know it's corny, but that their childhood just went in a, a, a blink of an eye. And yet... Every day sometimes for me felt like it was never ending. And and it, it's just, it's gone so quickly. And, and yet it is t- a time to be treasured and a time to be, um, to be cherished, I think. And, and I think, as you sort of said, g- going back to what feels right and does, you know, does all this advice really sit with you? And what is it that your child needs? Who is it that your child needs? Because it, I think pushing away all these pr- external pressures and the musts and the shoulds and the standardized league tables and everything else that we're thrown that's thrown at us, it really is. My bottom line is always what's the relationship like that you've got with your child? Because if they are talking to you, if you are laughing together, then do you know what? The majority of what you need to do is being done. A hundred percent. I agree. Because very often, you know, science doesn't lie. Okay. However, science develops and learns. Okay. And sometimes abolishes past theories. 
that is what science is all about. And thank goodness for science, because now we have different organ transplants, which we didn't have many years ago. We've got the women vaccine as well, haven't we? So you have everything at your fingertips. You just need to choose what is right for your family. So what I'm trying to say is that in the past, science would say, I don't know, let's just say eggs are extremely good for protein intake and they're amazing for body growth and brain development. And then they said, well, hmm, not really, because if you give your children, especially growing teenagers, more than two, three eggs a day, it's not good for their testosterone level because of all of the chemicals that are being input so that there is no salmonella in the eggs. However, I'm allergic to eggs. So no matter how positive science is about eggs, they're not good for me, personally me. So that is because I don't feel good after eating them. So that is exactly like the analogy that we're trying to show you here. If you are laughing, if you are happy with your child, if your teenager can come to you and cuddle and kiss you and say, thanks, mom, or, or, or smile with you, or even joke and be sarcastic with you and opened towards you, you don't need anyone's help. You're doing a great job. If, however, you feel my teenager is shutting the door, slamming sometimes the door in my face and said, see, I wouldn't want to be here, or I hate you, or you're ruining my life, or hiding from you, or you feel sometimes police is knocking on the door, then most likely, I'm not saying you did it wrong, and you have to go into the rabbit hole of where did I go wrong? Absolutely not. What I'm trying to say is, how can I fix it now? What can I do to support him or her? How care that relationship? Because it might just seem that just like our body, if we have a scrape and then bacteria comes into there, we need medication to fix it and it'll be fine. The same is with relationships with our children. Because you no, know, if you're listening to this and you're an adult 18 and up, and let's say you had a broken relationship with your mom and dad, I guarantee you, if they had come to you and said, I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've done, I had done as a mom and a dad or a dad, I love you. Can I try to fix it? Maybe if your relationship was really, really damaged, you wouldn't say so. But the majority of the people would say, oh, mom, thank you. I love you. I still want to build that relationship with you. So this is what I'm trying to say. Find the medicine if your relationship is broken or enjoy the body of your family when it's not. And and I think that, that, I mean, that was beautiful. And I think the thing is, is you're quite right, is a lot of parents think, Malva, come on. I mean, admit that I'm wrong. Are you serious? I mean, I'm the boss here. I'm the one that is meant to know what's going on. I'm meant to be in charge. I'm meant to be leading this ship. And yet I think often, I mean, the, the young ones, not so much, but teenagers, when when they're sort of when their hero, be it mum or dad, sort of is toppling on on their pedestal that they put them on, they actually need to hear when um, we've screwed up. I think not for us to abdicate responsibility, but I mean teenagers spot BS at a hundred paces, don't they? So you I think- smell it like a hound dog, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. And I think it's it's important for us to be brave enough to show as parents, to show our vulnerabilities. Would that be fair? Yes, it would be fair. I would like to go back to one word that you said. You said leadership. Yeah. Now, if you think about what the etymology of the word leadership is, very often, especially in parenting, I am the boss, I am the leader, was mistaken for I am the dictator. Yes, totally. And those are two different things. Oh my Mom and dad, 
you're responsible. Yeah. You're the leader of this household. Depending maybe on your relationship, the dynamic might be different. Dad's more responsible for one thing or two moms, they decide to, um, to share their responsibility in a different way, whatever the case may be. But the moms, dads are the ones that are responsible for the children. However, that does not mean that the children don't have a say. And that also does not mean that the moment you welcomed the child into your home, be it through birth, adoption, or foster care, that does not give you the badge, the chip in your brain, the know-it-all, never make any mistakes. If you feel that way, then you're just setting up yourself to fail. And knowing that I can learn something from my children too, knowing I can... Okay, so one of the things that I love to say is be teachable. And this is a a mindset that I implement daily for myself, my husband, and my children. Be teachable. There's no one in the world that is the smartest in every field. I can learn so much more, although someone can say, well, you have a lot of degrees. Yeah, I'm a degree collector. However, there's still so much that I don't know. I don't know how to do surgery. I don't know as much about, let's say, dental as I wish I could. But I have to be teachable. So if anything, if you want to take just one thing out of this um, episode, just write on a sheet of paper or, you know, come and download this nice PDF from me and say, be teachable on your fridge as a reminder that you, mom and dad, can still learn. And so can your children. You, do you know what? You're so right. I um, I mean, I, I, I would sort of very much, and especially because they're the sort of young adults now, but I would very much um, refer to my kids and ask them for support for stuff that I don't know terribly much about. Um, And there was sort of one instance where I was sort of floundering, didn't quite know. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to have to put my hand up here. and, and, And I was asking Jack advice. And you could literally, we were on a Zoom call and you could literally see him rolling up his shirt, his shirt sleeves and go, right, mum, sit back and you're going to sit, you know. And he did. He, he, he um, preaches the wrong word, but he was giving me the benefit of his own experiences and his own advice, something that I hadn't thought about before. And it was so enlightening. And it was really, and, and it was it was really a very special moment because it you could sort of see he turned into the teacher and he really thrived because of it. And it was just so wonderful. You know, he just sort of got bloody hell, never thought I'd be so, you know, teaching my 57 year old mum stuff. But it was wonderful to see the roles reversed. And I think it could, you know, it can be scary for us to admit that we don't know it all. But as you say, being open to learning is is so much more enriching and it also takes the blooming pressure off doesn't it it does now if i may add two cents look what happened in your relationship yes being a parent or in the role of a caregiver doesn't mean you know it all yeah but it means you will do everything to nurture the relationship that you guys are having yeah and in this case your son who was trying to teach you something You allowed him that created better bonding and he loved you more. Isn't that what we want from our children when they leave the home? Not for them to take all of our brain and only be as smart as we are, but smarter. Then that means they need to learn from someone else and therefore teach us. But what we are aiming for, at least that's what I hope, is a good nurturing bond and loving relationship with your children. No matter if you are a cleaning lady and they're a doctor, or if you are an assistant and they're the top, I don't know, judge, whatever the case it may be, that doesn't mean you did a bad job. 
No, you did a great job. You raised a great kid, a loving one, a one that comes to you, even though he or she is maybe earning even more money than you would ever dream of. And they're still able to say, you know, mom, I miss being with you in the morning. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. And I think and this is the thing. And, and it's sort of, I think the transition is sometimes quite sticky and quite hard to, for parents to deal with when they have this wonderfully receptive preteen who wants to tell mum or dad or whoever about their day and is very sharing and and um you know sort of uh, it wants to show love and affection whereas sometimes parents will say my do you know what my child went up upstairs to bed one day and came down a totally different person and now they're grunting and slamming doors and what did I do wrong and how do I repair this because I think when our kids sort of turn into teenagers and transition it can be as i said sticky and hard for them and it's it's quite hard for the parents to know how to react because a lot of the time our ego is very very bruised because we we're losing we're grieving that child we once had so how do we as parents adapt to slightly more recalcitrant children who are turning into young independent adults now? Wow, your question is so loaded. There are so many angles to look at. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was a bit of a brain dump, wasn't it? (laughs) I'll try. So let's start with our brain. Our children's brain, when they are starting to be preteen and teen, it is growing and they concentrate very very much so on the emotional part of the brain. So their emotional part of the brain is firing on all cylinders. Okay. However, they're missing the rational part of the brain, which develops all the way un- until they're 26. So it's like you having an engine in a super sports car, but the wheels and the brakes are not really working. Okay. So that is a disaster if we can't understand that. So that is one thing. So your role as a parent is not add fuel. Your role as a parent is to help them manage their emotions for them to be able to access that part of their rational brain that is still there, but still developing. So that is your job. If you're angry at them, you're just adding fuel to the fire. You're not going to help them access the rational part. And they're going to say, I hate you, slam the door, and their peers will understand them better because they're firing on the same, you know, neuron system. Okay. So that's one thing. The second thing is very often when, when children are around the teenage years, what happens there is they, if they were not raised in a very responsive and attachment-based positive parenting, but a more dictatorial ship, um, authoritarian parenting, Mm -hmm. In the past, what they would do is they would forego their independence and forego their strength and will to do something by themselves um, for your love. Because I love mom and dad, therefore I'm going to do that. Because the teenage years are biologically, they need to work on their independence when they're 20, 18, whatever your family dynamic is, they need to leave home biologically, they need to create that independence. So that is going to be their core job as soon as they turn from 15 to 19. Their core job is to develop their independence. Now, their independence is not something that they will forego for the relationship with mom and dad. 
anymore. Yes. So you have a choice, mom and dad. Are you going to give them the tools to deal with their emotions, which are firing, to access the rational brain, or you're going to add emotional negativity to that, which is not going to be helpful? Are you going to help them develop independence, being their safety net, so that even though they make poor at times decisions, you're still there with that, with not, I told you so, but how can I help? Because I see you're struggling. Okay. So it's, it is, it's, it's diffusing sort of, um, it's diffusing situations, isn't it? And it's, it's just, I guess, I was going to say stepping back, not always, but it's just allowing our kids the space to develop and behave, obviously in a, in a safe way, but um, just giving them the space to become that sort of to work out that independent young person that they need to be. Funny enough, I'll compare teenager years to your 11, 12 month old child, because if you are a parent of a teenager, most likely you either saw or you were there. The reason why I said saw, because some parents welcome their children through adoption later on. But let's say you know what a child looks like when they're learning to walk. At first, they want to hold both of your hands. Then they want to hold just one finger, you know, with their little tiny, tiny fingers. And then they're like, leave me alone. I'm going to try. And yet mom and dad can't let go. And so they walk scrouched, you know, making sure that that child, when they fall, they go on their soft diaper. Yeah. Okay. So now do the same for your teenage child. Of course, I'm not telling you to give them a diaper and hold their hand. What I'm trying to tell you is be their safety net, be there when they fall, maybe try to cushion the fall a little bit, but still allow them to learn to walk by themselves. So how do we, how do we do that? Or is it just a matter of just being there and supporting them? I mean, what, what do we do when we, when we can see that it's, you know, chaos or it's going to, you know, it's it, sometimes you you can see that it's going to end in tears. Sometimes you can see that it's going to sort of, you know, the problem is, is going to sort of get bigger before it sort of gets sorted. As a parent, it's really, it's, it's tempting to step in, isn't it? Are you saying that we need to stand back and let them fall? Far from, to be honest. <laughs> I'm glad that you asked that question because very often parents think I either fix it and I fix it my way yeah. or fine, just do what you say, I'm out of here. Well, there's a middle ground. Oh, cool. okay? And the middle ground is called proximity. So what happens is think of your teenage child as a wild animal that they need their your proximity step by step for they them to feel comfortable enough to be with you. And of course, depending on how you had treated your child through its teenage years, this may come very quickly or it might take a little while. If you see that your child is frustrated, ask them to come and sit on the sofa with you and watch a film together. The fact that you're next to him or her, soon you'll see that they're scooching closer. Soon you see that they rested their head on your shoulder or their head on your lap. And then you're just there. You don't need to fix it. Just be there with them. And then you're like, you know what? I've noticed that you're upset. Or I noticed that you didn't hang your jacket today. You just threw it angrily on the, on the floor. I noticed that you went upstairs and you were screaming on the phone to someone. I noticed all these things, but I don't really want to pry. I just want you to know I'm here if you need me. So help me understand what you're going through. 
even if it's just a shoulder to cry on and an ear to listen. And if you would like my suggestion or if you want me to help you, I'm here. I don't want to do anything for you. I don't want to cry. I don't want to be someone who is stepping in if you have some boundaries, but I want you to know I'm here. And very often, parents underestimate the power of the hug because they don't realize that a hug actually creates creates oxytocin, which is an antidotum to the cortisol, which is the stress hormone inside their body and the body of their children. So even just telling your, your teenager, if they haven't been used to hugs from you, then maybe not a hug, but just a pat on the back just now. But if they're used to hug, you, you can say, you know what, do you need a hug? And just sit there and hold them. Just hold them. That's all you have to do. Let them Feel safe in your presence and feel safe in your arms that you're not going to judge them. You're not going to say, well, I told you not to make those stupid choices. I told you your friends are blah, blah, blah. You can, you can imagine the texts that sometimes fly out of parents' mouth because they want to protect their child, yeah. but it just comes out as attack as opposed to protection. So think of the teenager as a wild animal that you're trying to tame, especially when they're consumed by emotions. And that way you're able to say, all right, I'm next to you. They see me. All right. Then they will come closer. Maybe give them a snack because the wild animals like to eat too. Yeah. And then say, hi, buddy. Can I touch you? Oh, my, look at you. Maybe you'd like to eat from my hand. Oh, really? Can I pet you? So all these things that you would do, let's say to a wild cat or a squirrel or a stray dog, I'm not comparing your child to that. I'm just but telling it's a you. a great analogy. The, way, the analogy is very similar because yeah, we are yeah. forgetting that when they're consumed with emotions, uh, the rational part of the brain is not working. And, and I think because, uh, I mean, I don't know, but the very nature of my business is, is you know, my, the, my, the clients I work with is that they are at a stage where many of the communication or the relationship with their kids and between all family members has started to break down. So the wild animal is a great example because for many parents, for them to walk in and go, do you need a hug? It would be received so negatively because it's, it's, they're way past that. So it is, it's just, I think the proximity is a fantastic idea, which is just sort of, hanging out in the same space, which without the child, you know, sort of getting cross and walking off and sort of spending hours in their room, because even that is for many families, a big milestone, isn't it? Yes, it is. And if you think that watching a film is not something that you'd enjoy or not, nor your child, how about thinking of what do they like? People say that you're able to access someone's heart through their stomach. You know, that's why we go on a date for dinner or that's why we, you know, when someone makes us a romantic breakfast in bed, we're like, oh, you know, I'll get it. How about you do the same with your child? Bring them yeah. a sandwich to their room and use that as an excuse to sit with them. Oh, I'll just sit with you while you eat and then I'll take the plate away. I'm not telling you to serve your child, but that is proximity if it's very difficult to drag them downstairs or say, you know what? When you were little, I know that you love to bake cakes with me or you love to make pizza with me. I miss those times. How about we schedule a pizza night when we make it together? And then you don't have to talk about any of their problems, yeah. but just the fact that you're there, you're building that relationship, you're building that oxytocin and oxytocin will create bonding. So all of these things are possible and actionable steps that uh, you're able to do even today. Yeah, and I think that's the, 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 that's the trick is 
um, a degree of patience is required, isn't it? Not not just patience if something's sort of kicking off or going wrong, but patience in your tools and techniques and approach just to just gently sort of move in to the different um the you know sort of the, the the different realms of where your child is sort of residing mentally and physically because it is an adjustment for parents and and for the kids and i ha- i think we have to accept that is that as you said their minds they're they're going through chaos and so adding fuel to the fire is really not going to help and so it's just we need to be patient and take things very slowly don't we we do and you know what we are used to having a little kid that we can pick up and put in the car seat and then we're used to having a little kid worst case scenario we'll just pick him up and drag him out of the playground because those were the things that parents used to do and we forget that you know when you're short and your teenager is taller than you you can't just hoist him over your shoulder and <laughs> expect him to do what you want that doesn't work anymore so again if you had used any of those techniques that I had just mentioned in the past, they're not validated when your teenager is older. Therefore, I strongly not recommend you using them when you still have younger kids because that will give you a bad habit of you being uh, you know, a dictator at, rather than someone that is responsive to both your and your child's needs. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you sort of say, going the the dictatorial role, I think when they're little um, with our kids, we tend to manage them. We tend to make sure that they're fed and watered and then follow my rules. And and, and we I mean, they're sponges, so they take all our values between zero and seven years old. Um, But we are managing how they are navigating life, be it you know, sort of watching them walk or whatever. When they start becoming teenagers, we have to move more to that sort of mentoring role, don't we? And we have to allow them that space. And um, it is a subtle shift sometimes, but it's also one that's hugely rewarding. It definitely is. The problem with older generations is they know the theory, but they don't know the practice of how to do that. Yeah. So very often, no, I need to be a consultant rather than a leader or a dictator. But it's hard to let go of that power. Or yeah. I will show you that you're not competent enough, my dear. Yeah. Because mom or dada is always right. So again, the fact that you know the theory doesn't know, mean you know the practice. And sometimes sometimes it's the subtle word changes and your mindset that needs to change. Again, just like you had your baby blues when you, you were born and wow. you need to figure out what to do with this little one. Yeah. This is another turning point of you figuring out what to do with your not so little one anymore. And Rome wasn't built in a day. It takes time, patience, and um, I think a hell of a lot of love as well, doesn't it? Because sometimes it's, you know, it can be very testing for for both sides. And it's important for our kids to know that what we are doing is, well, we want to, we want them to know that we, we've got their back and, and that we're there to support them rather than, Definitely. yeah. Definitely. And, you know, it's love both for our children and for ourselves, because I very often see parents, you know, still jumping into the fire when when our child is ablaze with emotions. So let's say your child says, 
I hate you. And then all of a sudden, instead of trying to diffuse that, you attack even more. But, you know, a simple sentence of, you know what, I love you enough to step away from this argument right now. We'll talk about it later. And I love me enough not to allow you to hurt me because I know you don't mean these things and step away. Oh, that's so cool. And that diffuses everything, doesn't it? It does. You don't have to be right at that specific moment. Yeah. And and, and then you're leaving the door open to say when they calm down, they're like, sorry, mom, I didn't mean that. Yeah. Well, I understand you're angry, baby, but I don't want you to hurt me because I love you. And I know you love me deep down, but you were consumed with emotions and that's fine. Let's forget about it. Let's see what how we can support each other now. Malva, my love, I could talk to you forever. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because you. you've you've given us the the smattering of emotion and a smattering of science, and it's sort of it blends in so beautifully um, to help us realize that actually this journey of parenthood, we're not on our own. And um it's important just as you say, to to honor ourselves as parents that we don't always get it right, and that's okay, isn't it? It's okay. Who gets it right? Oh, heck, I don't even get it right sometimes. And that's okay too. You know what? The best, the most important thing is that you're trying and you're giving yourself some grace. And if you do stumble and fall, pick yourself up, put a smile on your face and say, ah, stepping stone, a learning stone. Let's see what we can get from this lesson. Thank you so much. Um, I, I know my, my audience will love this. And um, I, I, you've got a download for us, which is is um, sort of helping or adjust. Well, what what is it? It's uh, coping with your strong willed child or something like that, isn't it? So I can have two things for you. If you, oh, you. Cool. I mentioned it wasn't planned, but you yeah, know what? Let's run with it. it. So yeah, let's run with it. So the first thing is, if you want, you can download the uh, parenting affirmations that will help you and your family. And one of the affirmations will be be teachable. And yes. another one is, I am going to give you fifteen workshops that will help you understand your strong-willed child more. And by strong-willed, yes, some people, some children are spirited in innately, but most teenagers have the strongest will during the teenage years. So even if you haven't self-diagnosed your child as strong-willed, <laughs> these workshops with worksheets are going to be gold for you. So come on over and I'll give them uh, to you. Well, wonderful. I shall put all of that information in the show notes because um, guys, if you want any support, then I know that Malva runs regular summits, two of which are running at the minute. Um, so you will, you won't, you can't fail to get sort of some brilliant information from her um, in the future. So Malva, my love, big kisses to you. And thank you so much indeed. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com and I may even use your question as a future podcast episode if you want to connect please come and join me on Instagram just search for Kai Graham also could you do me a favour please parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times and I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another 
I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.